it out. Okay. All right, page 764 is all around if you got the Pew Bible. So, here's what this says. Um, it says, A very zealous, soul-winning young preacher recently came upon a farmer working in his field. Being concerned about the farmer's soul, the preacher asked the man, Are you laboring in the vineyard of the Lord, my good man? So not even looking at the preacher and continuing his work, the farmer replied, Nah, these are soybeans. He goes, You don't understand, said the preacher. Are you a Christian? With the same amount of interest as his previous answer, the farmer said, Nope, my name is Jones. You must be looking for Jim Christian. He lives a mile south of here. The young determined preacher tried again asking the farmer, Are you lost? Nah, I've lived here my whole life, answered the farmer. So he goes, Are you prepared for the resurrection? The frustrated preacher asked. This caught the farmer's attention, and he asked, When's it going to be? So thinking he had accomplished something, the young preacher replied, It could be today, tomorrow, or the next day. So taking taking a handkerchief from his back pocket, wiping his brow, the farmer remarked, Well, don't mention it to my wife. She don't get out much, and she'll want to go three days. Okay, it's still setting in on some people. Got it, got it. All right, so um, we're going to be talking about vineyards and vines and stuff today um, because that's where Jesus is at, that's what he's talking about. And uh, this is like, man, super foundational in the Christian life. Like, if, if Christians are able to get a really good grasp on what we'll talk about this morning, man, they are in a seriously good position as they walk the relationship out with God. I mean, this is just fundamental, baseline, just super important stuff. This builds the foundation um, for being a Christian. And, and the term, you know, having a relationship with Jesus Christ, like that's, that's not in the Bible anywhere. You know, it's not, you won't find a verse about that. And, and that's kind of something that's like it's said, you know, it's important to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. But you won't find a verse about that anywhere. In fact, I have a, um, I got a coworker and um, when we first started to talk about Christianity stuff, uh, I always noticed, you know, he didn't go up for, um, to take the Eucharist and do different things. And I was like, you know, what's going on, man? How come you don't? And uh, he's like, yeah, you know, I got kind of all my, I got a bunch of issues, you know, with the Catholic Church and all this stuff. And, um, but he said, you know, I have my relationship with Jesus Christ, and, you know, and I'm working on that. And I'm like, okay, you know, at sur- like surface level, that sounds pretty decent. Um, but as we continue to have relationship and talk and hang out and I get to know him and, and we talk about different things, um, when that topic does come up and he talks about his personal relationship with Jesus Christ, um, I think our most recent one, I was like, really? I was like, so he is like your boss. He tells you what to do. That's, that's the relationship you have. Like he saved you from your sins and he's your savior. And he just looks at me and goes, well, I don't know about all that. He goes, I... He's like, I, I don't know, you know, it's like, it gets weird with the sin thing. I'm like, yeah, that's kind of a big one, you know, and um, so we talked about, you know, a lot of stuff, um, but right, his idea of relationship, and I think, you know, what Jesus' idea of what a relationship with God, uh, 
his idea was, was definitely something different, you know, than the conversation we, I was having with my coworker. And I think maybe even sometimes, just because we live in the area we live in and being in America, um, the relationship thing can just get kind of goofy. Um, where a lot of times God can just kind of be reduced to a genie or like a Mr. Fix-It, and like if he doesn't, then he wasn't real, and then I shouldn't follow him, and then like it just all goes from there. Um, but this helps prevent that. The other thing this passage will do is it'll help um, keep that childlike faith. Jesus made it a point to say, you know what? You've got to keep a childlike faith. The pure in heart, they will see me. Um, and a lot of times we just get... We think we get smarter as we get older. Um, but when it comes to God, we're really supposed to keep that childlike faith. We, we're supposed to believe that he does hear us. If we don't doubt, he will answer our prayers. Um, that he is faithful and that he is with us. And these are like simple things, but a lot of things happen in life, depending upon what, how our lives have gone, to where that can totally change. If that was never anybody's experience in life, to where somebody was ever around, um, or they were left abandoned, or they're left forsaken, they were definitely neglected, you know, that's, that's tough to try and get that one across, to develop a childlike faith that there is even a God that cares and matters, and so it becomes very difficult. Um, but this passage helps work on that childlike faith, and us as Christians, absolutely myself included, we are called to always maintain being teachable and maintain humility. I mean, once we figured it out, that's pretty much where we level off in our Christian faith. We just kind of stay right there. So God is inexhaustible. There's always more. And he's always looking to take us further and change us in amazing ways. Um, and it all happens through how John 15 like, is lived out and carried out. So we ready to take a look at it? Okay, well, maybe one person, but we'll check it out. We'll check it out. So what we'll do is I'll read it, um, and then there's something else going to break down, just a, a couple of highlights. So just a super quick backdrop. They left after John 14. Jesus is about to go to the cross. He's about to get betrayed in the uh, Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus has already left. They did the Last Supper. He washed their feet. The way chapter 14 ends, it says, okay, let's go. Let's leave. So they're getting up to leave um, from their supper, and they're walking, and there's a chance, uh, probably a good chance, they're either walking through vineyards or they're walking through and they see Herod's temple. And so this whole theme of like vines, vineyards, gardening comes up. And so that's how we get to here. So John 15, verse 1. I am the true vine. So who's the true vine? We're on point. And my father is the gardener. Who's a gardener? God. So you got Jesus. He's the vine. God, the father, he's the gardener. Okay. He, so who's the he? God, strong language here, cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. So many times the way God tells us he loves us is he goes, snip. That's, that's the pruning lifestyle. It's like, man, I love you so, I love you so much. You're, doing, you're being faithful. This is really good. Snip. <laughs> you're going the right way. Like, you, you know, you're coming in agreement with my plan. Snip. Like, ah! You know? So if we get locked into a Christianity that always works out and that is always comfortable, 
that's like totally opposed to the pruning process. That can jack you up. Really mess us up. Because the pruning process is how we grow. Verse 3. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Verse 4. Remain, or some versions say abide. Remain in me and I'll remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he was like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So it's not really to ruin our lives. Verse 12, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends. If you do what I command, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command, that you love each other. So, Father, we ask that you give us greater understanding. Um, and a a strong desire to want to be fruitful for you and just be used by you, Lord. Give us a strong revelation that apart from you, we can do some positive or nice things, Lord. But it might not necessarily bear fruit for what you have in mind. Holy Spirit, teach us and show us what this means, what this looks like in our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Um, So we're called to be fruity Christians, right? That's the calling, fruity Christians. So that was kind of the whole deal through that passage is that you have God who is the gardener, right? You have Jesus who is the vine, and it wasn't really mentioned, but you could think of like the Holy Spirit as kind of the sap that flows through. And brings nutrients to each branch so that way they could bear fruit. Now, a common explanation, like so most people would probably read this passage, and there's nothing wrong with this. Most people would look at this passage and say, All right, so we're called to abide, be in God, that's a good thing. We should bear fruit. You know, he's gonna prune us so we can bear more. So, bottom line, let's spend more time with God probably most people would read that, 
see that and then be like, okay, got it. I got to spend more time with God. And that's true. But I think that if, if we just stay there, then we miss a huge part of God's heart and the why behind it. See, because if we just stay there and we just say, hey, listen, spend time with God, spend time with God, spend time with God. What can happen is that can turn into just like a religious sort of ritual where we just, did I spend my time with God today? And it's just, it can turn into like a checkbox list. Where it's just, okay, I, uh, you know, did the dishes, I put the dishes away, I did the laundry, I read my Bible verses, I did da-da-da, and I just checked it off. Now, abiding and living in him is like way more different than that. And so if we just read that and say, okay, quiet time with God is important, that can even feel kind of heavy because if somebody misses, if you miss one, so you go a day and you're like, "Eh, you know, I didn't. Probably the spirit could do a little convicting action, be like, man, I just wanted to be with you today. You know, it's just, we had some time, but. The fleshly side and probably the enemy can also turn that part around and say, oh yeah, if you were a real Christian, you you would have and you should have and you knew that you should have. They just talked about it at church and you just sang it in a song and then you didn't do it. And it's like, "Ah," you just get so beaten down, you don't even want to do the next one. So it can be a weird thing to just say it's important to spend time with God. I just do it because the Bible says to do it. I think there's an incredible amount of value to doing things, what's in the Bible, because it's there. Absolutely. Like, that's where God calls us to be. It's in the Bible. We're called to do it. I don't think there's anything wrong with us asking God and being in relationship and be like, God, I know you're asking me to do this thing, but why? Why would you be asking me to do this? I trust you, and I'll go forward in doing with what you're saying here, but why are you saying this? I'm so glad that God can handle a why question. And he's totally willing to engage in that. He's saying, okay, son, okay, daughter, like, I'll tell you why. I'll show you why. I'll reveal it to you. And that's a really awesome thing, that he fathers us in a way like that. So, the main focus of our time tonight, our short time here tonight, will be why? Why does he ask us to spend time together? For what reason? Okay, we're supposed to. That's great. But why? There's billions of people all over the planet doing all kinds of things, running around, living their lives, having families, doing different things. Is he really going to notice if I don't spend a little bit of time you know, and do whatever? Or how could he be so interested in my life when there's a million other things going on? My things are so petty compared to somebody that might be dying tonight in Africa. So... What is the deal? Why would he want to? And I think the answer behind that why, I'm hoping just at the end of tonight, like we're all, myself included, we're just encouraged to just be like, God, it is so worth it to just be with you. Other stuff just, it's just, it's secondary. Primarily, Lord, it's never a waste to just be in fellowship with you. Oh, God, it's just so good. So good, I'll even shut off that Dallas Cowboys football game. I just skipped my workout today, Lord. I just, 
I need to connect with you today. It's so worth it, Father. Thank you that it's available to me and I can just take advantage of it. Thank you, Jesus, for making it possible. I'm just hoping that's where our hearts are by the end of it. Because that's like where he's calling us to be. This thing was always about relationship. And it's just easy just to turn it into like a routine type deal. Because sometimes it might, feel, it might not feel really a lot. So the why. Why is he asking us to do this? Well, I got three things. Here's one. Um, the first one, and in your bulletin there, I got some blanks. So the first one is, I think that God wants us to abide in him and be with him and hang out with the main vine so that he can reinforce, reinforce an assurance. Reinforce an assurance. Here's what I mean by that. Reinforce an assurance. I mean that I remember going to a, a church and um, I remember um, knowing some people there and it was like every Sunday the pastor would be, you know, up ahead, uh, like his thing. I don't really have a thing, so it was like my thing. So he'd, he'd have his thing and they have like a big altar, you know, four, five, six steps and it'd be like a salvation message. You know, anybody who, does, who has not given their life over to Jesus Christ yet, like now is your time tonight. And so I had friends that would, <laughs> that would literally come down every Sunday. They committed their lives like 57 times. Like they just came whew, committing their lives all the time. And it's like they didn't need to. So Jesus is saying, hey, listen, I- I'm the vine here. You're a branch. We're already, if you've already given your life to me, we're connected. It's already a done deal. You don't have to like continually strive to just, hey, I want to make sure this is good. You know, I just, I got to get saved five times tonight. Like, like, no. Just be assured, just rest in the fact that what he said is true. We're just connected. Now, I don't know how our branch is looking. We're really kind of droopy. Might be missing some buds of some flowers. Maybe we're in full bloom. We're just rocking out right now. But whatever, <laughs> yeah. But whatever it is, Keith is definitely full bloom. But whatever it is, we're connected. The Christian is connected. Full access, all the time, whenever. That's awesome. And an enemy who seeks to devour and just take us over and destroy us, he can never take us out of his hands and pluck us away. Yes! Got it. We're locked in. So take a look at the verses. I got uh, you know, one verse up here. Because I just wanted to show, I, I don't think it's my opinion. I think this is what um, God is telling us. John 1.12. Thanks, Austin. You're right on it. So it's yet, yet to all who did receive him, that'd be the Christian, that'd be the Christ follower. I receive you, Lord. You're in my life. I'm living for you. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born of not of natural descent, nor of human decision or husband's will, but born of God. So that's awesome. If we receive him, he gives us the right to become children because you know what? There's like a phrase that goes out there. We're all God's children. Not so much. We're definitely like his creation and made of his image. But it seems like it definitely is. The biblical principle is that we actually have to make a decision to want to be fathered by him in order to be called children of him. 
Make sense? I didn't write that down, but that was good. But that's, and then, yeah, here we go, John 10. He says, I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Yes. So Christians, Christ followers, are connected to the vine no matter how we feel and no matter what's going on. That's kind of the basic principle of the Christian. So no matter how we feel, no matter what's going on, because there's definitely, listen, I got the days too where it's like, Lord, you said ask anything in my name. You will do it. Um, we even read in here that he's going to respond to our prayers immediately. And I've been praying the same thing for a few months. I haven't heard squat. So do you hear it? Are you interested, Lord? Are you even there today? Do you care what's going on in my life? And then there's been other, other seasons of life where everything's crashing around. And I just remember driving in my car and being like, driving in my truck, and you'd be like, do you even care right now? How could you even treat your kid like that? I would never do this. Have you ever done that? I have definitely done it. Not proud about it, but it's just, sometimes you just get to that point, you know, and your flesh is just crying out because it's like, it's so not making sense. Like if I was a perfect dad and a perfect father, which I am, you know, because that's what happens, I start to judge God in that way, I would never be doing this. But we're connected. We're connected. So Christians are in God and with God always. Amen on that? We're in God, and he is with us always. Now, like I said, though, our branch might not be real fruitful, so we could definitely be connected, but that's not a guarantee we're bearing fruit. That's where the struggle lies. That's where the struggle lies, is like actually bearing the fruit. Oh, yeah. So I, um, I think I tell you guys this all the time, though. I feel like I say this one all the time. Um, just telling Jaren I love him all the time. Because I just think about assurance. You know, like, this is the idea. Like, God is trying to get us to be sure. Right? Sure that we're in him, that we can believe him even when we can't sense him or feel him. And so, I thought, when I was thinking about assurance, I was just like, you know, Lord, how do you, like, how do I, what do I feel sure about in my life? Honestly, I feel like that can change. But a lot of times, Lord, I, I, I feel really sure that my bills are going to come on time. Wells Fargo is not going to be late. Like, Connecticut Light and Power will be there. Like, I can count on that. That bill will be due. Um, I can, for the most part, count on the sun rising each day. You know, we'll see. That's not even a guarantee. But, you know, what can I really count on? And so I just got kind of thinking about that. And um, I know certainly one thing I try to do, you know, in my life, and probably most parents do it all the time, is um, you're trying to make sure that your kids um, are sure that, that you love them. And that's kind of twofold. One, because you do. But two, because there's going to be a time and a place and a season in life where they're going to want some safety. They're going to want some wisdom. They're going to want some direction. And hopefully, in that moment, hopefully, Jerry and Judson, who knows whoever the Lord, Lord might bring. Hopefully we're done with two. Who knows? But if the Lord, hopefully we get to a place where they know Mom and dad, there are for them no biases attached. They just know that mom and dad love them. And so the world is going to just place all kinds of crazy language on them. They're going to hear all kinds of things and you know, misinterpret different things from mom and dad. But 
you know, we're trying now to build that assurance. It's not even like they're asking. I mean, I just told Jaron Downs, we were just downstairs. And uh, I just, you know, this is those moments you just, you know, filled with a little bit more overwhelmment of love. And so we're downstairs, and I was going to tell him to do something, but he had, like, that Jaron smile going on. And I was like, number one. I was going to tell him to do something. I don't remember what it was. It's like, I love you. And he gets that smile, it gets bigger now. And I'm like, number two, you know, do whatever. And number three, listen to mommy or whatever it was. But, but I'm constantly trying to build up. Hey, listen, dad loves you. Mom loves you. We are for you. Dad loves you. Mom loves you. We are. They, don't, they don't ask. They're not asking. But I just want to tell them. As long as they're in my vicinity and in my area, I want to tell them and consume them with it. Because when they get older and life happens, man, I hope they know that mom and dad are for them. We're not trying to force something down their throat or down their neck. They've got to know we're just for them first. Well, we are trying to absolutely bring the gospel their way and pray that they make the best decision of their life and follow them with everything that they got. But it's easier just to say those words than it is to actually become that. So they just got to know we're for them. And it's easy for them to get that message because I'm with them. I'm in their vicinity. I'm in their area. Right now, they're in our home. I can tell it to them, and so I will. Which brings me to the next point. So the first one was, I think God, you know, why does he want to abide with us? Because he wants to reinforce an assurance that we're with them. Number two, he wants to clarify the connection. Clarify the connection. The connection is this. As a Christian, see, this passage doesn't make a lot of sense to someone who's not a Christian who hasn't given their lives over to Christ, right? Jesus is talking to his disciples. He was walking with them as he's going to the Garden of Gethsemane. Like, this is all already assumed they're in relationship and they're talking. And so it's like, the Christian is like, yeah, I'm ready. Like, what are they saying? What are they talking about? Okay, okay. Where it's like, maybe if, if somebody's not a Christian, be like, eh, you know, I don't know, it's, you know. But this is like just important stuff, you know, for the Christ follower. And so for the Christ follower, understanding the connection is hugely important. Because like we started off the service today, the life that Jared now lives, or the life that Allie now lives, happy birthday again, the life that Allie now lives, Kayla now lives, Eric now lives, it's the life of Christ within them. So that, so like we're called to live our life from absorbing out of the vine what's happening into my life. So I'm supposed to live out of the vine. I'm not supposed to live out of Jared. So I could even, and, it's, and, and a lot of times it's a good thing, I can, you know, refine certain behaviors, you know, that, that aren't good and for whatever way, aren't healthy, whatever they are. Um, I can work on certain, you know, ways of thinking. Um, I can work on, you know, making myself a better person for whatever that means. But I am called to, the Christian is called to carry those things out in the strength of the vine, of being in relationship with him so he makes me able to now live that out. Does that make sense? Kind of, sort of. So when we were baptized, we were like baptized in his death. And then we become alive as Christians, living out now the life of Christ in our lives. So it's a very scary day if Jared is just left to Jared's abilities. 
go anywhere near that. So that's why my connection to the vine is of the utmost importance. It just is. That's primary in my life. Because it's just so not worth it to go anywhere else. There has to be that connection there. That's what I was made for. So the connection is so important. So it's not even about really, you know, church attendance on a Sunday. um, Because we could even attend church and just not even be abiding at all with him. Um, We could definitely be going to Bible studies and not be connecting at all. I mean, we could even be like, you know, Christian music in the car all day long, you know, and and not once really connect with God. Totally possible to do that. I've done that a bunch of times. It could like be going, and I can hear it going, but I'm not definitely not connecting. There's a different moment where we're like connecting and abiding. So the connection is crucial. Because in that connection, that's when the branch has the ability to grow and produce fruit. It's just the one thing where like the illustration kind of falls apart. Is that you know in an apple tree and an orange tree, like the branch doesn't have a choice to kind of like get up and run away and do its own thing. I mean that doesn't happen. Um, but the way Christianity works is that like we're all branches, but we have a choice on whether or not we want to come in agreement with what the vine is telling us to do. So when that sap of the Holy Spirit is like flowing through us and bringing things out, and it's like, hey, listen, let's go this way, let's bear some fruit, we have a choice to kind of go with that flow and go with it. Or we can just be like, not today. So that's kind of where the illustration and metaphor that kind of falls apart. But if we can stay connected and let that thing just continue to flow, we will definitely bear fruit. I put two verses up here. Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with, this is Paul writing, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. This is like the most flat out one that give that illustration of I don't live anymore, Christ does. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The Christ that didn't take offense, the Christ that didn't hold the record of wrongs, the Christ that was on the cross, he said, God, they don't even know what they're doing right now, so please just forgive them. Can you imagine that? I can hold a grudge for a long time over something really stupid. And he's getting nailed up. And he's like, Lord, just they can't even see what they're doing right now. Oh. So that Christ lives in... Oh, you can go back. So that Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So the life that we're called to live. Like, that's what we're called to do. That's like default, that's the next step for the Christian, is living like that, living in that mode, being connected to the vine and realizing, whew, I'm going to miss out if I'm apart from the vine, if I'm away from if I'm not connected with him. Doesn't mean I always feel a connection, doesn't even mean I'll be doing amazing radical things all the time. But it means that I am positioning myself to allow constant flow for whatever he wants to bring into my life. Here's the next one. It says, we were therefore, oh no, we read this one. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ is raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like this, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. The life the Christian lives, it's not for Jared. I'm not even living for Jared. That brings like a lot of freedom. Because I don't have to like control a whole lot of things. 
and helps to develop a trust in the vine that wants to just flow right through my life. I remember being at Notre Dame, and this was maybe like two summers ago, and one of the teachers was pretty funny. He goes, uh, he goes hey, you want to teach a religion class during the summer? And I'm like, you guys mean to teach a religion class? I, and I knew the guy. I was like, you know that, you know, I'm like a pastor of a church, like it's, you know, not Catholic. And he's like, yeah, I know. He's like, it's, it's fine. I'm like, really? And he's like, yeah, we'll pay you for it too. <laughs> yeah, I'm in. That's fine. No problem. So, uh, so it was awesome. So I had a chance for like, what was it, two weeks or something. Do a summer program, and I was like, I was so excited. And I was like, man, they're going to actually gonna let me talk about God. And so this is, this is not my opportunity to now fix everything and just make them right, but it's an opportunity, Lord, so hopefully you can just speak through me in some way that will help connect with wherever their hearts are at. That's it, right? I'm not there to fix them now forever. I'm there to play my role in the season and the moment I have right now. So, Lord, I want to connect with what you're doing. That's the goal, right? Because somebody could just come in and be like, I'm going to fix them now. These Catholics, you know, I'm going to tell them what the deal is. Nah, like, there's a way to approach this thing, you know. And love, there's a way to approach this thing. But still get to what's important. So it came in there, and I just felt like the Holy Spirit was the thing. I was like, that's what we're talking about. I was like, all right, Lord, I feel, okay, Holy Spirit, let's do it. So, you know, how do you say that to, you know, a bunch of 14-year-olds? Um, so, one of the things that we talked about is we kind of closed up whatever we were talking about that day. I forget what it was, the Holy Spirit, but I said, listen. I said, you guys are all into gaming. Like, you got, you know, this is what they do. They're all good at it. They do it all the time. They do it instead of homework. That's just what they do. And I said, I said, a controller has a specific function. A controller has a specific function. Um, you know, you could sell it, you know, on eBay or do whatever with it if you don't have the game console and stuff to connect to it. So that's fine. Like, you can find something to do with it. I said, but a game controller, like, it has its own unique, specific, particular function. I said, in order for those buttons, the up, the down, the A, the B, or the triangle, the square, the X, whatever it is, whatever game system, however they do them now, they all have a unique function. And you know what? If it's not plugged in to the game console... It doesn't do anything. It has all of the components. Let's assume it was manufactured correctly. It has the joystick capability. It has an up-down capability. It has the X capability, the zero, the triangle, the whatever it is. It could do it, but it will never operate how it's supposed to unless it's connected to its source. And you see the kids are. So then one kid after... He, he was like one of the helpers. He was like a junior or something. And afterwards, he goes, Mr. Murphy. I never even had this kid in class, which is pretty rare. I get a lot of kids in class. He goes, Mr. Murphy goes, that was very good. I said, God is unbelievable, isn't he? I said, but it's true, man. Like, if you just live your life in any way that you want, you're going to miss out, man. You're going to miss out. You have to plug yourself into the source that created your life, created who you are. You plug yourself into him. Then you'll start to function as you're supposed to function. And he's just kind of looking at me. He's like, well, all right, Mr. Murphy, I don't know. But the deal is, is that only in our connection will we understand our purpose. Only in our connection will we understand our purpose. You could use the game controller for like a lot of different things. You could use a hammer. You could use it as a ball in the house. I mean, you could do whatever you want with it. But it had one original intended purpose, being to plug in and just do your thing on it. And, man, I'm going to have a really difficult time understanding my life 
and the purpose of what I'm doing and wherever I'm going if I'm not connected to the source. So being connected brings an understanding of how I was made and what God is doing. Which brings me to the last thought. Awareness of results. So why does God ask us to abide? Number one, to reinforce an assurance. Number two, clarify connection. Number three, bring us an awareness of results. Galatians 5, 23. We close up with this stuff here. So all this fruit talk, what are we talking about when we're talking about fruit? They're not like different pieces. There's not like a, a, a love piece, a, a joy piece. A, a, it all comes together. It's all one deal thing. So there's not an apple of joy, an orange of uh, love, or whatever piece. So, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So this stuff. So we can measure somehow, shape, or form the fruit of our lives by the level of these things being present in our lives. So the amount of love, how we would lay our life down for somebody else, the amount of joy, how much does it take in a course of a day for your day just to be like, well, this is a bad day. We're done here. <laughs> you know? How much does that take for you? Hopefully that takes a lot for you. If it doesn't, then you can say, all right, Lord, I can understand. Like, you, you need to build on that fruit of my life. And it has to be a Holy Spirit work because I get discouraged easily. That's just my personality. That's what happens. You know, it's good to have that dialogue and connection with God. Because hopefully our joy isn't robbed because of how our day is going. Hopefully our joy is still strong because he's bigger than our day and he can use us no matter what might happen throughout the day. So peace. Hopefully there's a greater outpouring of peace in our lives. What's forbearance mean? Patience? Right? And that's what it probably has in your versions right there. Probably doesn't say forbearance in NIV, right? Yes, no, maybe so. Okay, somebody find that one for me. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And that last one's a biggie, self-control. That's a big one. We don't live like in a society where self-control is a really popular thing to do. I mean, why would God even like hold any of that back? Wouldn't he, if he loves you, just kind of let you... Do whatever, whenever. But no, self-control is a big part of this thing. Because he sets up like barriers that will protect us. And if we jump outside of them, we could and probably will get damaged. That's the purpose. Like I'm going to set up barriers in Jaron and Judson's life to where, not that I want to control them, because I don't. But... I know, like, it's not a good idea for Jaren to set up the ladder next to the stove, you know, while I'm making whatever. It's just not a good idea. I don't mind him being on a ladder and helping me out and doing things, but maybe not right in that area. It's not, like, a great thing. But I'll tell you what, if I tell him no to do it, there's a strong possibility he's going to fall on the floor, he's going to start crying and whining, he's going to go run in the other room to mom, Daddy said I can't help him, you know, and go through the whole thing. And sometimes we do stuff like that. And he's like, no, no, no. Like, just not in this way at this time. But there'll be a season and a time when you can. You know, self-control is a big one. So this is the fruit that we're talking about. This is the fruit that we will bear as we're connected to the vine. Now, the temptation is 
to look at our lives and be like, oof, I see some fruit or a drooping branch or a branch that's not producing too much. And so, man, I just have, I must have a lot of serious issues. It's a, it's a temptation to look at it like that. And I would say that's a mistake. Because we should evaluate and look at the fruit, but if we spend a lot of time looking at the fruit, I think we'll be up, down, all around. Because if you look at all those words, if there's a scale from 1 to 10 on love, scale from 1 to 10 on joy, scale from 1 to 10 on peace, you could like, you know, adjust the slider for each one as far as where you're at. And I think we're called to not just continuously adjust the sliders in our life. You're going to go nuts. As soon as you bring one up, you're going to fall down another. Like, that's not our calling, really. Matthew 12 is. So we got that one. That's the last slide. Matthew 12 is. This is the idea. Make a tree good, and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad, for a tree is recognized by its fruit. So we're called to build good trees and just abide with them and be with them. The fruit business will get handled. If we get locked in on the, on the idea that I have the capacity to sin or I'm able to sin, um, that, that really doesn't show a whole lot. We all have the capacity to sin. We all have that. But hopefully we're not locked in on that. Because I can sin, so I guess God isn't doing anything or I'm not really a Christian. It'd be a mistake to go down that route. The right way would be, God, you're making me brand new and I'm so grateful you're getting rid of this stuff out of my life because I know you don't want it there. I hope I can step up to the plate and do what you're asking me to do. Because make this tree good, Lord. May I bear fruit for you. So at the end of the day, living in the vine, staying connected, staying connected, staying connected, staying connected. The fruit issue will come. That, that's even like a third point that's almost like kind of removed a little bit. Because the main issue is, man, let's just be connected to that vine. The fruit just gets produced. It's just a byproduct. This is what happens. So this is totally foundational to the Christian faith and the Christian walk is being in a relationship. So that term is never used. But the idea and concept is all throughout the Gospels. It's all there. And he's just, man, just be in relationship with me. Be connected to me. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. You know, you could have a good job. You could definitely bring in a good salary. You could have a good retirement. You could be good to your grandkids. You could do a lot of, like, good things. Yes, you can. But Jesus' emphasis was that You're not going to produce any fruit that lasts and brings glory to the Heavenly Father if you don't abide in me. I have a way to carry those things out and just please trust me with it. Stick with me on it. So it's my prayer that we're saying, Lord, I'm so looking forward to hanging out with you. Because we sang that song, there's nothing holding me back. Nothing is holding me back. Because that's the deal. Nothing is holding us back. I don't know, everyone might not feel that way, and people might not totally agree with that. But with what God said, if they've surrendered their lives, committed their lives, and they're a Christian, you're connected to the vine. Now, 
The question is, am I letting things hold me back? That's the issue. Am I letting my sins of yesterday or today or earlier this morning hold me back from entering in? Am I letting my depressed and discouraged state holding me back from release? That's the deal. That's like what we're called to come to. And we sang that other song, you know, there's that line, dancers who dance upon injustice. Man, they're still just dancing. It's like everything's falling apart. But God, I just thank you that you're just so good. Right? That's the deal. So we're called to be because I thank you. I'm just connected to you. It ain't over now. It feels like it's over. But it's not. I'm grateful that it's not, Lord. So we're called to be, guys, connected to the vine. Amen, amen? All right, let's pray. And then we're going to get some food downstairs. So, Father, I thank you that you want to be in relationship with us. I pray that you, Holy Spirit, I'm just secondary teacher, so Holy Spirit, I know who you are. I know my place. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just uh, teach this abiding and this living in you and how to actually do it for each person. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak that and minister to that to each heart here. Because you will show how that really plays out and practically happens. But there's definitely a need for it. And so I pray that we would take our our steps of faith, Lord, and, and enter into a lifestyle that's just focused on connecting with you. It's completely worth it. I've never regretted time with you, Lord. And we ask for more fruit to be produced in our lives and in our church. So may it bring growth to our church, may it bring growth in our lives, but may you also bring the depth that we need as well. May we be in a place to where we're so connected to the vine we can handle a lot of fruit hanging on our branch. We love you, Father. We thank you for what you're doing. Continue to build just a culture in our church, Lord, that just knows how to be in communion with you and has a, knows how to encounter with you. So I just pray for refreshing for each soul, for each person. Pray for an encouragement. Pray that their joy would not be easily taken, that their peace would not be easily taken. And we'd have a reason to sing, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go eat. Hope he's not all cold.